Well, hello there. This is the first full episode for Templates for Life. And my guest today is Maria Nova. I went to graduate school with Maria and I just remember watching her um, sit in a room and be part of a conversation and just listen and just watch and then say some really important, inspiring, uh, interesting things. And I was a little bit in awe because she struck me as someone who just did what she wanted and didn't really apologize for how she felt about how she felt or what she did. She's made some super inspiring changes in her life over the years, and I really wanted you to meet her and hear her story because it matches this intention with the new podcast name, Templates for Life, that we find ways that um, we just set our lives up the way we want to, the way that serves us as well as serving others. Um, So I really think you're going to enjoy the conversation. I certainly did. Come on in. Hello and welcome listeners. We have a special guest today and her name is Maria Nova and I'm going to let her tell you stuff about her and how she does her daily differently and just finds joy and fun and all kinds of amazing things in her life. Hi, Maria. Hi, how are you? I am well. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. So I'm just going to tell you a little bit about me, I guess. Um, So I um, recently moved to um, California. I relocated here from New England. I see shivery cold New England. <laughs> Mark and Lucky, good job. <laughs> That's right. And I'm in a sundress and I was outside just sitting in the sun before this interview. So, you know, it's just, it's awesome and fabulous and a part of what um, spurred it, I think, um, and I have a chronic cough, so people will hear this, and I recently had COVID, so my cough's way worse, so oh my. this might come across, so, um, but so I think during COVID, I think it, you know, that really um, made a lot of people analyze their lives and where they're at and what they want to do differently and what they um, didn't want to tolerate anymore, and I had had a baby during COVID. And then I was sort of stuck in isolation in New England. And I said, you know what, that's not, this is not how I want to raise my baby. So um, I also, uh, I didn't want to be in the freezing cold with my baby and locked inside, but I also didn't want to um, raise my baby all by myself. And so what I mean by that is, I had my baby on my own and I knew that I was going to do that, but I thought that um, some of my really close friends who were like my soul sisters, I thought we would be hanging out a lot more. And some of it was because of COVID, obviously you can't, you couldn't hang out as much, but some of it was just a different idea of um, what spending time together with babies means. And I wanted almost daily, um, kind of like the old tribal way of being in a family of just having people there all the time. And so I was talking with my therapist and I just said, do I need to move to a freaking commune? Like what the heck I need to be with people um, daily with my child. I 
I think that's just healthier. And she said, no, you, you should look into co-housing and intentional community. So I was like, what the heck is that? I had never heard of it, which makes no sense because I'm super earthy, crunchy. I was a therapist. Like, how could I not have heard of this? But I'm sure a lot of people haven't heard of it. Like your listeners, maybe you, like, it's just, it's wild. So I looked into it. It's basically a multi-generational community where people choose to hang out with each other and have parties together and do things together, but they all have their own separate house. So, or condo unit. Um, So it's really cool. So I went to check one out in California Um, It was awesome. And so I just started studying for the real estate license out there because that's what I had been doing um, in Vermont. And I took the test and passed and just moved out here. I was like, I'm doing it. That's where I am. Yeah. Oh, I. Okay. If I have known Maria, we did graduate school together and her, her sentence there, I just moved out there. Like this is, this is the spirit and energy she has. She's like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say what I think. I'm just going to, I'm going to roll my own cigarettes. I'm going to like, just, she just did the things. I don't do that anymore. No, but when you did it, I admire that as much as I'm glad you're not smoking anymore. But I admire just her own person and without judgment to anyone else, how they do things. But you have a way of um, inspiring quietly. Like you just, you just do you and you, you embody that. I loved how you already said crunchy. You you embody that like live freely and fully because we only get one chance at this. Yeah. Yeah. Say more about how you came to all of. So since 2007, the journey that has been say more. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think, and thank you for those compliments. I appreciate that. Um, I do really feel like, uh, like I'm, something that's really important to me. And I, I am glad to hear that um, you see it or something is like that sense of bravery and courage. And I really kind of wish um, that that was a major priority um, for like education and teaching little kids to have courage and bravery rather than just following and being like a sheep, you know, and just you know, being a follower. So, because I really think a lot of the world's ills just come from, you know, cowardice and not knowing how to stand up for what's right and stand up for, you know, the environment to stand up for, um, you know, against racism, sexism, all those kinds of things. I just think bravery and courage is so important, but we're social creatures. So that means that we live in social little tribes and you need to be a bit of a follower in order to do that. So, but yeah, so um, I think, you know, to be a therapist, that was my um, dream and it was uh, like my soul's purpose. And I did it for about 12 years and it was amazing and I loved it. And for a big chunk of that time, it was, it was my dream job. Um, but um, I think a couple of things. One, um, alcoholism ran rampant in my family. And I always sort of thought like, oh, I'm probably an alcoholic and definitely have addictive tendencies. And everyone in my family is a bunch of drunks. And so I always, you know, I always had a therapist mind and a psychological mind. And so I always thought, you know, am I one? Most likely it's going to happen, yada, yada. But 
probably about five years ago, my drinking just got really, really bad. And I knew it was bad for a long time, but I was just open to being a functional alcoholic because I just really couldn't see my life without alcohol. So I just sort of was like, whatever. I mean, as long as I don't hurt anyone and as long as I go to work and like, you know, I justified a lot of it, but I just didn't know what to do really. And then I got a DUI. So I had to come to grips with the fact that this was not okay. And that if I continued drinking, um, it was no longer, uh, it was no, you know, it was dangerous. And Mm -hmm. so I just said, you know what, like I have to change this. So um, I started going to AA and, you know, following a spiritual path. And that has totally um, changed my life you know, and just becoming sober and living um, just a better life and one that's not full of like underlying shame from all like the terrible behaviors and hangovers and all that kind of stuff. So that that was a huge piece. Um, And, you know, but so back to being a therapist, you know, I had, um, I was doing my dream job, but I was also getting worse and worse with the drinking. Um, And then uh, after, after probably about 10 years, it just became um, quite challenging to sit in a room all day with people who are really suffering. And it was hard for me to build my own future. Uh, I don't know if people know it, but therapists don't make a lot of money. <laughs> so, yeah. so I was just under a lot of financial strain from all of the student loans. And I just felt like I wasn't, I was just sort of spinning my wheels because even though it sounds good, what we make an hour, like you can't see that many clients. So it just doesn't, you know, you just wind up not making a lot of money. So it just became, I felt burnt out. I felt financially overwhelmed. And I just said, you know what, I'm going to try something different. Like I don't want to do this every day. And and I got stuck doing it for a little while because you have to keep doing your job even when you don't like it. (laughs) But um. So, but then I was like, what are you supposed to do if like, you don't want to do the thing that you have your master's degree in? Like, what are you supposed to, you know, go be a barista? Like I was just, I just didn't know what to do. But then um, my mom was in real estate my whole life. And then one of my friends bought a house and she was like, oh my God, you were, you were so much like my realtor. She was bubbly and funny and warm and like, you know, just a natural saleswoman, you should look into that. I was like, real estate. I was like, that's totally not my style. But then I started like looking into it and getting into it. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to try it. And here we are six years later. So that's a part of the journey of um, like my career path. And now I'm doing real estate in California, which is a trip. Oh my, oh my gosh. So you do have that natural way of connecting to humanity and to other humans. You really do. And and just another layer of admiration. You, where do you think that came from? That ability to just like see a human, but you see them more deeply than just the surface. Where do you think that came from? Oh, thank you. Um, So, you know, I think that stuff came from a lot of trauma, honestly. And just like, um, you know, having... Uh, my mom was very uh, like old school New England, but to another level. So she was stoic and distant and reserved. 
And she herself was really hard on herself and her parents were really hard on her. And um, she also was alcoholic and she was, you know, very brilliant. And so she just isolated and was a very lonely kind of person. And so growing up with somebody like that was, you know, like I had to work, I had to pay a lot of attention to get my needs met, you know, because she was not forthcoming. She was not loving. She was not, you know, friendly, kind, sweet, none of those things. So I had to like really dance and do a lot to get um, just uh, attention and affection and, and love. But the weird thing is, is she, she told me from when I was really little, that I could do anything I want if I got an education, but I just didn't hear that. (laughs) I didn't hear that last part of it. And I just heard that I could do anything I want. I remember from a very early age being like, okay, if I could do anything that I want, what do I want to do? And like, I think that's a really good question to give a kid. Cause it's like, do I want to be a jerk? No. You know, like, do I want to be, um, you know, somebody who is nice to people and kind and makes people feel good. Yeah. I, I would rather be that, you know, so it just cultivates this, like, Oh, if I could be anything that I want to be, like, what do I want to be? And I remember out of a sense of desperation feeling like I really want love and attention and affection. And it's like, Oh, well then if I can do that, like, what is it that I need to do to get that? So I think like there's a couple of things. It's like paying very close attention and her words of saying, if you pay really close attention, you can figure people out, you know? So I do have a sense of empathy, but I think a lot of those kinds of things come from like an emptiness or a desperation. Cause I think healthy people like don't even really notice. (laughs) I mean, they're fine. They're friendly, but they couldn't like read somebody like in an intuitive way because they haven't had to hone that skill their whole life to get so good at it that they can like see what's going on with a person really clearly. So, you know, honestly, they're in the better position, even though it sounds cool to be able to do that. It's like, (laughs) there's a lot of, you know, things that are missing when you can do some of those super, superhero power strengths, you know? Mm. And you can't turn it off because that's just, you become this person takes the temperature of the room all the time or reads yep. people for your own protection, but also for your own, can I trust to ask this person to help me meet my needs or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Wow. Okay. But you made good on it. So there are some people that have really bad experiences or traumatic backgrounds or all that, that stuff, and they don't always know what to do with it. So you, yeah. you figured out the, the superpower in it, in, in your stuff. Yeah. To, to a certain, to a big extent. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. So I want to ask about your name change because okay. that I think was another super brave, important pivot in your life that when I was watching it, although albeit from social media, yeah, you you shared a really um, powerful decision mm-hmm. with us. So, so thank you for friending me on Facebook years ago. So I got to see that journey. <laughs> it is fun to watch your friends through Facebook sometimes when you're just sort of like, 
from afar, you're like, oh, I see you. I support you. Yeah. 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 So do you mind sharing about that? Um, sure. I can uh, share about that. So uh, from again, from a really, really early age, um, I remember going to a wedding with my mom and the bride and groom came into the room and the announcer announced them as Mrs. Richard Jones or something, or Mr. and Mrs. Richard Jones. And I just was like, what is that, mom? And she goes, oh, that's their married name. And I was like, no, that's his married name. Like, what, what is that? And she was like, and I said, that's really weird. And I don't understand it. And she said, the woman takes the guy's name or something. And I was like, yeah, but not like his first name. And she's like, no, that's what they call a married woman, Mrs. Richard Jones. And I was like, I was like, I will never, <laughs> ever do that. I just remember being pissed. Like, that is ridiculous. Like, why would I have to do that? Like, that's so unfair. And I just, you know, and that's, that just, you know, I was raised by a super feminist. My mom, you know, has all kinds of, had all kinds of problems, but she was a super feminist and she, you know, agreed with me that it was pretty stupid. <laughs> I just remember as I grew up and I had no relationship with my biological father. So it was like, I just couldn't understand this idea of, you know, I already knew that the world was sexist and I already knew that like women were supposed to be second class citizens. But this was one thing where I just was looking around, like wanting to like ask ladies, like, why would we do this? Like, like, why would you erase half your identity? Like, who is convincing us that this is a good idea? And I just was so disturbed by this. Like, why wouldn't the man do it? Like, why wouldn't it be like a choice of like, whose name is cooler? Like, what is this idea? And then it, then the more that I look through history of just seeing that, like, you know, women were prop, like women were just property. Um, all of their lineage was um, through the man's name and like the patriarchal thing, even though the woman's like literally carrying a baby and giving birth. It's like, you know, and then I meet women who like, had a baby with some dude that's not even around and her kids have his name and she doesn't and she's raising them. I don't know. It just always was like, this is disturbing. It's just like the epitome of sexism and just whatever. So even when I thought of getting married one day and like actually being with like a good man or something, I was like, oh, there was just, I was like, okay, even in that moment, that guy's probably not going to want to just get rid of his last name. But I was like, I just like, I don't want to take a guy's name. I just feel like it's so, it's just so like he gets all the power and control and it just really bothers me. And then I would think about it like, like, well, if I didn't change my name and he, and he didn't change his name, what name would the kids get, you know? And it's like, I don't want to leave him out of it and just name him my name. But then I would think, but my name comes from my biological father who I never even met. And I was like, so I don't want to keep that name and I don't want to pass that name on. Um, and then I thought, well, I'll change my name to my mom's name. And then I was like, but it's still the same problem. That's her father's name. And I was like, this is so weird. There's no matriarchy. There's no recognition 
of women's ancestry and women's lineage and women's history. It's all just erased and like, we're just acting like it's just completely fine and normal, just, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I just, you know, I always was against it. I always wanted to change my name, but I'm not very detail oriented and it's a lot of work. So it took me until (laughs) I was pregnant to go, okay, this kid is coming. There is no way that I'm giving my child some name that some dude gave to my mom that I've never even met. I never even met the guy. And I am getting rid of this name. It's not even a nice name, Dyron. You know, it doesn't even sound good. So I'm getting rid of that name. And, um, you know, I had to like really think about what is like, what name will I choose? That was another reason why I didn't do it for so long. Because you have to take your time and like find a really cool name. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I found um, this name, Nova. Um, and it's really, I'll just tell the full story. It's really because I always want to have a daughter. As you can tell, I'm definitely a feminist, but I thought I was going to have a daughter and I always wanted to have a daughter. And I had my girl name picked out and it was going to be Vita. And me Vita Nova means like my new life. And so I was like, oh, this is so beautiful. And so I was like, Maria Nova, Vita Nova, it's beautiful. And then I found that I was having a boy and that took me a little bit, had some gender disappointment. That's a thing. You can Google it. Um, (laughs) And so, um, but I got through that and now I love having a boy because I'm going to raise a kick-ass boy who is going to be emotionally intelligent and like a feminist and a dancer and a musician. And he's just going to be the coolest kid ever. Um, And so, uh, And so I had to pick out a name for him too that sounded good with Nova. And so I came up with Kai Nova. So it's Maria Nova and Kai Nova. Got rid of that old name. And I'm so glad I did, even though it was the biggest pain in the ass for someone like me who is like, you know, like I let things like that slide, like paperwork or like filing things with the credit card company. You know, like these are not my natural it's not my natural skill set. So it took it took quite a bit of time, but it's really cheap to change your name. It's $167 at the courthouse. So but a lot of time consuming effort after that. But I love my name. And I people say to me all the time, oh my God, your name's so cool. And I get to be like, I chose it. Yeah. <laughs> I love saying that. I chose it. That's right. <laughs> I used to say I made it up. And I was like, that sounds like bad like it's just made up and fake and phony so now I say I chose it um and I chose my son's name and it's really everyone loves his name kind of especially in California so California sounds like kind of yeah 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 that's the story there parentheses I convinced my brother to change his name to his ex-wife's name so he's no longer named this but I told you know he also didn't know our biological father. And I said, I said the whole spiel to him and um, his ex-wife didn't want to change her name. She loved her name because it was the last name Sweet. And I was like, Jay, I was like, you're not going to change your name to Sweet. Like, come on, that's the coolest name ever. So he changed his name to Jay Sweet, but then they got divorced and he had to change it back. (laughs) Which I was like, now you know how a lot of women feel. Like they get married, they change their name and then they get divorced and then they have to undo it. 
Mm. Yeah, so oh. it's good that he has some empathy for all those women who had to do that. <laughs> it is yeah. a part-time job when you have to change it because of divorce or whatever else. Yeah, yeah. it's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay, so but your your passion for this comes from an authentic place. And the other part about you that I admire is that if someone sat with you in disagreement with that, you would listen and you would you would let them have their space with how they feel about it without giving them a hard time or judging them or, and, and I think on a good day, on a good day, <laughs> if you're you getting, make it sound like I'm so like, like, I'm, like, I'm like one of those people who is like meditating all the time and just like, you know, at peace with things. I don't, I, you, maybe you saw that, but I know my, I know what's really going on. And like, I, I like a lot of people, like I have a lot, out of judgment and I have to like be mindful of that. And I, I am interested in many people's story. Um, it's less now after being a therapist for 13 years, you know, it's like, that was a big part of why I loved being a therapist for so long because I genuinely was intrigued and interested in every person's story and I wanted it and I wanted to hear it. But, you know, after that many years and five people a day and their stories, like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> I'm still interested, but not like before it was like, I wanted everyone's story. Now I'm like, I'll take a few stories and that's good. Um, but yeah, so I'm not um, just a non-judgmental, like, you know, person, but I, I do listen um, fairly well at times. The ability to admit that we do have judgment and bias because we're humans, that that is, that's admirable. Yeah, you're a human. I'm saying gushy things, but yes, we're all humans. <laughs> and, and the idea that people, that I could view that in you, and unless we were getting graded, right, we could say certain things. Um, so for you though, to now just say, yep, that's my truth. And, and you can have your truth and, and the world spins about, right. What is your, what do you want to be able to say five years from now about everything that you're doing right now in your space? Um, five years from now, um, I want, uh, Kai, my little baby, who is a year and a half. I want him to feel like he can um, really explore uh, the world and and things like that. I'm like his biggest supporter and fan and like that he really knows that um, I'm open for him to be like anything. Like, I think that was really an amazing gift. My mom saying I could be anything and I should like really think about it and discover it. And I really want that for him, except motorcycles. He cannot ever be into motorcycles. I will not say that because that will make it happen. I will figure out a way. He's still a little tic-tacs of bombs that go off on his head anytime he thinks of getting in a motorcycle. That's an absolute no bueno. Football is also problematic. So there are some things that I will be like, oh my God, I do not want a traumatic brain injury. Okay, but other than that, he can live his best life. So that's huge. I really want that to be like, I want us to be very close and like, you know, that he really feels safe and um, 
grounded with me and like he can live his life that he doesn't have to take care of me or worry about me. I want that emotional stability. Um, and I want uh, to be a successful California realtor. I know. So that'll, I'll be working on that. But I also have some ideas of um, I want to try to uh, find um, some young people or just people who have struggled in like um, challenging communities who are kind of like you can tell they're like real estate is about being a hustler. You know, like you have to be in sales and you have to hustle and you have to be in that mind frame. And I want to find some people who have done that kind of stuff, but in negative ways. Like, let's say they were like a drug dealer or something like that takes a lot of skills, you know, and it takes networking. It takes sales. It takes like knowing your competition, like all of these skills that if they were used for um, things that you can do and make good money, like real estate, the stock market. It's like, why not find a place where we can still use your skills and your love of money, which, you know, people don't want to recognize as like something that people who grow up in a state of poverty really want, you know, that's completely reasonable. Like they want out of that. So it's like, you know, this love of money and this ability to like work hard, um, you know, hustle every day, that kind of thing. I want to figure out a way to make like little internships or like something like that of in the real estate business. Because the it's, you know, it can be just kind of, um, uh, what's the word? Just, it can just be, it just needs some more of that. It needs some out of the box thinking, I think. So and I do always, like, I'll always need to give back. And like, I do want to work with people and help them out of um, their difficulties. It's just a part of my nature. But I don't want to go back to being a therapist full time. But I also would love to work in the recovery, um, like work in a recovery program in some way. And I don't know if that would be like running groups, but I'm very passionate about helping people out of um, drug addiction and alcoholism. Alcoholism is the biggest one because I relate to that so much. So I would love to work in that, but I couldn't work in a place like that full time. It would just be too heavy and too upsetting for me. That's just not something I could do, but I would love to in some way help in that. And I know in five years, I'll probably be sponsoring a bunch of women. So that will be cool. But yeah, so I think that's it. So financially, uh, I'd like to be in a good place and I'd like to, uh, I'm in the co-housing community now, but I'd like to be um, an owner in it, you know, own my own unit and be a big part of that. And um, yeah, so there we go. That's what I would like to see happen. There's more, but you know, I'm just chatty. So I probably should. <laughs> I can't believe there's people in this world that answer a question with one word. I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> it's not a thing I just I don't even understand I'm like how could that be it <laughs> there's a page in the DSM for that it's not a thing okay I know seriously <laughs> all your all your every day what's the what's your favorite part of your day on a regular um <laughs> this is gonna sound so bad but I really I love sleeping. Oh my God. So I know it's always feels so sad though. Like I really, really love my bed. I, Kai and I co-sleep, which I think is so 
awesome. And I just wish more people would co-sleep because I just think it's so nice for them. Like he's just, he never needs a blanket. He never needs a stuffed animal, never needs a pacifier. He can sleep in total darkness. I don't need a nightlight, nothing. Cause he's got the most in his mind. I am the biggest protector in the world and I am safety. And he just snuggles up to me with his little baby skin and his little cute little baby lips that I just want to kiss, kiss, kiss. And his soft baby skin, he's just snuggling up to me, laying his head on my shoulder. And we're just like getting ready for bed. And then he goes to sleep. And then usually I'll like, you know, read a book or watch a program or play around on the internet. And he's just like sleeping there. And it's just so nice. You know, I love playing with him too, but man, when he's sleeping, it's just the most, <laughs> oh, the most precious. It's yeah. just so, so cute. You, you just, you decide exactly what fits in your space and you make it happen. I'm trying. Yeah. No, that's cool. You're doing it. So if someone came to you and said, I, I don't even know how to be brave. I don't even know how to just do this really challenging, whatever it is. What would you say? Um, I think I might try to ask them, you know, and this, you'll know, it's like a therapist question of like, when were there times that you were brave? You know, like there had to have been some times where you surprised yourself or like, what was it about that experience that pushed you there or what happened? Um, And then, you know, I really like this idea of something that you've been talking about of just trying to figure out what's one thing you can do or like what's something you can do um, to try to like take some risks um, and do something. And I think most people can understand that their stuckness is a problem, you know, but they just, I think a part of what creates like uh you know, people having a challenge with how to be brave is that they think they have to do everything all at once. And I just find that such a limiting belief. So like, I remember in high school, I was like, I'm going to Europe, you know, like after school and everybody wanted to do that, but they were saying they had to save $12,000. And I was like, what freaking planet? We can't even hold on to a hundred dollar paycheck. Like, what are you talking about? We've already just blown each of us our hundred dollar paycheck. So what, when would we ever save 12 grand? Like how, how would that actually ever happen? And I just remember thinking like, oh, like it isn't going to happen for them because they're making, like they're doing a setup. And I just remember thinking like, oh, okay, even though, yes, I would also like to go to Europe with 12 grand, (laughs) it's not going to happen unless I get some sort of inheritance that I didn't know was coming. So I just decided to stop thinking that way. So even when I was, you know, like going to have a baby, it was like, I kept thinking I had to do all of these things or have all of these things. And then I hit 40 and it was like, okay, dude, are you going to keep? telling yourself all the things that you need. Cause like your uterus is literally going to croak and die. That's it. Like it's on its last legs. It has nothing left. So you have a few, a few months. Like, what are you like? You're not going to save that hundred grand. You're not going to get an au pair from Switzerland. Like you're not, 
finding your soulmate this week. You're not like, so what, you know, and then I was like, okay, I'm just going to jump in. So I think that's a key piece of like, just recognizing that trying to have everything ready to take a risk means that you are setting yourself up to not do it and to stay exactly where you are and to change nothing. It's just, it's just a false way of distracting yourself from the idea that like, if you want to start, if you want something to happen, you have to start with small steps and you just have to start. You have to start right now. Like you can't be like, okay, well today at six is really the time I can stop eating chocolate chip cookies. You know, <laughs> it's like, oh, you have to put the cookie down and be like, no, I'm going for a walk. You know, you have to make some decisions now. You have to start now. So that's something I would say. I they were still listening after I talked that long. <laughs> I couldn't have paid you to come up with a better answer. But no, that is exactly what I hope listeners get in general is just do that one thing. And, and, and rather than talk yourself out of it, talk yourself into it. And okay, so did you go to Europe after high school? Yep. Without $12,000? Yeah. I asked my mom for a plane ticket for my graduation. And she said, I'll get you a plane ticket. You get a job. And so I was a nanny in Switzerland, <laughs> uh, which was terrible for those families. Let's be honest. <laughs> oh, it was, honey. I'm not making a joke. It was actually terrible. I have three different families because of <laughs> what a bad nanny it was. Because I wanted to go to Europe and drink and hang out with friends. I didn't want to watch like a two-year-old. Ew, gross. <laughs> and now look at you and almost a two-year-old. Oh, I know. Oh, sir. <laughs> uh, it's way better now. Yeah. Oh, at 18, you. ew. You're right. <laughs> you were developmentally appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you did this today. And I may... The, the demand might be there for you to come on again sometime because you just had, <laughs> you said all the things. And if there's anyone out there that does hypnosis on young children to make sure they don't like motorcycles or football, contact Maria. And Seriously, or any ideas. Like I know I can never say, don't do it. Don't like those things. Cause that'll make him want to. So if anyone has ideas of <laughs> how you get them to just not want those things without <laughs> talking about it. <laughs> They're going to have a book on the Oprah list if they can. Oh my gosh. Uh, all right. I appreciate you so much. I thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thanks for all the juicy compliments. Jeez, my ego. Uh-huh. Write them down. Put them in a jar. If you need them someday, pull them out. Oh my gosh. Uh, all right. Thank you again so much. You're welcome. Thanks for talking to me. Thank you. Yeah. So many takeaways from this conversation. Oh my gosh, Maria, her, her smile, her spirit, her soul, all the things about her, just emulate that idea that you got to figure out what you want your life to look like and just go do it. So I feel like the takeaway for, for me in listening to this was reminding myself, I've done scary things. I've taken risks. I've done things that people said, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. And I did it, and wonderful things have happened. Not every decision has turned out perfectly, 
and the experience from that has caused growth and change. So I challenge you today, just think about one thing that you could do differently, because that will still be the challenge, even though the name of the podcast has changed. What can you add? What can you take away? How can you say, I want this thing, and I'm going to find a way to it? I would love to hear from you. I would love to see a review on this podcast, the all the episodes. It really makes a difference on content and keeping it going so others can hear it. I just today figured out how to find reviews on uh, Apple and read some beautiful ones. So if you left a review, you know who you are and thank you. And I am just hoping the best for each of you and can't wait to share the next incredibly inspiring conversation so that you can come up with some templates for your life. Take care. Take care.